The entire purpose of having the idea for Solutions for Men's podcast was to capture the wins and losses, the learning and growing in maturity of a professional purpose-driven man. This episode feels bittersweet. I built a friendship over the last few years with my next guest, David Thornton. His passing comes soon after we did this interview. I set up on site in his hospital room, and we talked about life and living more abundantly. I am grateful to have called you friend. Hearing your voice on this interview gives me chills and hope. Today, my vision is more clearer than ever. We are each other's libraries. Nothing but love, man. She gave me the green light. Now it's time to take flight. Let's go. Because I'm out the ordinary. 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 Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have a man of integrity, a man who's a leader, a man who's a good man who spreads good, positive energy, always has a great smile and a great moment happening around him. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Tenneke's own David Thornton. The crowd goes wild. Dave, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, fam. How you feeling, man? I'm feeling great. Are you ready to drop these gems and answer these questions hey, today? Let's go. Let's go. All right. Here we go. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what defined you? Ooh, we. Man. That, I guess uh, it's been a, quite a few men that have uh, played that role. Uh, I grew up in a household where my father wasn't there, so uh, I was constantly around my uncles a lot, cousins, but then the older I got after college, uh, got involved in the church, and, uh, and a good friend of mine, uh, Darwin Mason, helped, uh, helped me a lot right after college and invited me to moved to Nashville, because I had no idea what I was going to do after I graduated. I wanted to preach, but, you know, that didn't go as planned. So I was like, but what else am I good at? And uh, I said, well, I can teach mathematics. So I ended up moving to Nashville and got a chance to meet with his father, uh, Darwin Mason Sr., who was very instrumental in teaching me a lot, not only about my career, but also about just being a man and how to behave as a man, how to do certain things, how to handle uh, finances and, uh, and, and, and those things. So I would have to say my friend's father, Darwin Mason Sr., was very instrumental in helping me become who I am today. Tell me something about Mr. Mason that triggered your manhood. Give me the smallest thing. Give me the smallest minute thing where you said, hey, I didn't even know that. Well... I just looked at how he led his household. Uh, he was He's a very quiet guy, but yet the family knew he was the leader of the house. Uh, he never led with anger or anything like that. And so uh, just, just interaction daily day uh, with him being at his house, just seeing how he interacted with his wife, how he interacted with the kids, and even how he handled himself on the job because he actually offered me my first job uh, 
in, in, in his school that he was the principal of. And so just, I got to see him on, in, not only in a professional uh, setting, but also in his home life, as well as at church, because we went to the same church as well. So I got to see him in three different atmospheres, and he was consistently the same in all three arenas. And so, and he gained respect from all the people that was around him because of how consistent he was in, in his walk. Being in your walk and being consistent does earn respectability because it's an average, right? They understand who you are. They know what you bring to the table. I want to dive a little deeper in what you're saying about church community. Based on what we have today, is church still the same foundational community that we need to resonate ourselves away from life's television? Well, church has changed so much. Uh, I think it's becoming more commercialized. Uh, I think uh, people in it now for the show of it versus the actual benefit of it, helping one spiritually and, and to be better people. I think we overlooked that aspect, and it has been overlooked for a number of years and probably even decades now, uh, how it has changed. And, and because of that, that change in how church operates, a lot of people are actually walking away from church. They're not attracted to it as much as they used to uh, because they, they view it as people only out to get a quick buck or, you know, just, they're just in it for the show and not necessarily for the benefit of actually knowing about God and becoming better people. You're seeing large numbers of men walk away more than anything. And I think men are the protectors. Correct. And if we don't have nothing to protect, then they easily galvanize into doing other things. Thank you for sharing me a story about Mr. Mason. If you can give me one jewel that you carry with you today that he said to you, that you still carry with you today, what would it be? Ooh. Now that's a good question. Because he said a lot to me. <laughs> Um, well, you can give me one or two if you like. It just let me know. Let yeah. me let us know what is impactful in your life that possibly can help someone listening right now. Well, you know, he one thing he will always say, and he he stole this quote, but he, <laughs> um, he borrowed it and, and used it for me. He continued it. He continued it, and it's the idea that life is. 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. And so um, when I look at that, you know, that really helps uh, you with your daily circumstances. Anybody that knows me know I've been through a lot health-wise and everything. And people always ask me, why, how is it possible that you're going through all of this and yet you still have a good attitude and smile, and it's because life is only 10% of what happens to you, but 90% of how you react to it, and keeping a positive attitude toward things that are happening to you. A lot of times, your circumstances end quicker when you keep a positive mindset. Absolutely. If you want to share right now where we are, letting people know, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. We're, we're, in a, we're in a great place. We're in a great space where he is demonstrating that strength right in front of me, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen. I just want to say that. Uh, David, tell me some more about growing up where you grew up um, when you realized that you needed to separate yourself because now you're becoming a man, you had to put away childish things. Man, uh, I grew up in Palm Bluff, Arkansas. And 
I didn't grow up with my mom. My mom was always around, but I lived the majority of my life with my aunt and my grandmother. We all were in the same city at the time, but then eventually my aunt and my grandmother moved to Little Rock and I remained at Pine Bluff. And so uh, this was at the age of about 13 and I ended up moving in with my mom for the first time in my life. And so it was at that point I got wrapped up into a lot of trouble, uh, wrapped up with the gangs and everything. And I got put in the hospital at the age of 14 by a rival gang. Uh, it was at that point in laying in the hospital that I realized that, <clears throat> that if I didn't do something different, I wasn't going to make it to my 18th birthday. And so uh, I kind of pulled away from the people that I uh, was hanging around. My mom said, you can't stay here anymore. So she sent me away after, after I stayed with her maybe three years. And uh, my junior year, I ended up moving back, going to Little Rock and staying with my aunt, which was the best thing for me because uh, I was totally separated from my environment that was keeping me, you know, into a lot of trouble. And I was I started going to church with my aunt, uh, you know, and that's how I really got involved in, into the church thing, because I was at church, and I would be do the little usher thing, you know. I was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, David, baby. <laughs> <laughs> do the usher thing, help everybody. everybody. Everybody sit down. Get a little mint candy from the... From the yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, yeah. Little ladies, give me a little candy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and then I started to realize, I'm like, man, I've done every job in this church except for preach. I'm like, man, I think I, I, think I can preach. And I started having dreams of, of me preaching. I don't know where they came from. I had a full ride to Morehouse uh, College to do pre-med. I withdrew myself from Morehouse. Uh, family didn't like that too much. <laughs> I don't think anyone listened to like that too much. Yeah. You got to give us an explanation yeah. behind that. Or, you know, because I, um, I kept having this dream that I was supposed to preach, man. Oh, man, that, then there it is. That's the answer. Yeah, yeah. And so I withdrew, didn't go to Morehouse. So I enrolled in the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. I stayed there one week. And I, I unenrolled myself out of the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. And I began talking to this lady at my church about the dreams. Because she was my Sunday school teacher. She helped me out a lot. And she introduced her me to her uncle, Dr. J.S. Winston. And I talked to him on the phone. And he told me about this school in Texas called Southwestern Christian College. And... Um, I was like, yeah, I think I'd like to go there. And so he, they bought me a plane ticket, flew to Texas. He picked me up from the airport. I get to the school. I hadn't filled out any admission papers or anything. He walks me right into the business office, and everybody revered this guy like, hello, Dr. Winston, hello, Dr. Winston. He walked in, they said, he said, admit this guy right now. And that was it. I didn't fill out a single application on his word that uh, that I got into this school. 
and uh, went to the dormitory, and I looked at the name of the dormitory, and the dormitory was named after him, after <laughs> Jazz West. <laughs> so come to find out, he was one of the founders of the school. And it got me in, and I stayed there four years and got my, got my degree in religious education. So everything worked out. God had it planned out. Uh, I looked that up back at me withdrawing from Morehouse. I was like, man, that was stupid. But no, it was part of the plan. It's part of the road. Yeah. Look at God. That's what we like God. to say. Yeah. How early did you start goal setting Ooh. in your life? Let me your first goal. It could be very something small, but when did you start? I don't think I really started setting goals until I was an adult. <laughs> you know, you always hear about goal setting and all that, but my life wasn't really that structured. I wasn't that disciplined. And so... Uh, And so I uh, ended up getting my degree in religious education. Uh, it was part of the plan, you know. I uh, thought that uh, leaving Morehouse and, and was, was a good idea. I, I, well, I thought it eventually was a, a dumb idea. <laughs> but, but it was actually part of the plan. And as far as setting goals, you know, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't disciplined. Uh, I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants. But... The goal setting. Yeah. You said as an adult. What was the first one as an adult? Uh, I think the very first goal I set was in my career, in my job. I said, I am going to be a math specialist for the school district. And, uh, and that's exactly what I did. After, after about three years of getting certified in teaching mathematics, I became, I got hired as the math specialist of the district. But that seed was planted by the principal. That's uh, the thing. I think you were goal setting and didn't realize it because you put together a plan after you had those dreams. Yeah. But you didn't know you were planning. And that's like the whole point of this show, like to get people to realize we all need to have some type of structure. Right. We will have structure whether you plan for it or not. Mm, that's real. You will have structure. Either you can lead the way or let someone, some, some influences lead you, but the, the spirit in you will always talk that way. Right. Question. Yeah. Do you have a vision board? Never. I've never had a vision board. Uh, seen them, seen people create them, 
Uh, I looked at them and be amazed at how they look, but I've never sat down and actually made one myself. Why do you think you haven't done that? I don't know. I guess I, I really don't know why I haven't made one myself. Uh, I've actually always looked at them and thought they were interesting. Probably should be something that, that I part participate in. Yeah. But I just never really sat down and just started cutting out pictures and, and words. And <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking speak to a lot like of people in the show. <laughs> but speak with a lot of people in the show. A lot of people have vision boards in their mind. They're in the phones. It don't yeah. have to be the arts and crafts. Like, we traditionally know it for the definition. There are upgraded versions to it. So I, I, okay. I think you have one. I think you just haven't recognized that you had made it already. Well, that could, that could be the case, too. Just like you didn't recognize that you had a plan after that preacher came to you in your right. sleep, your version of yourself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I, I've always saw that arts and crafts stuff, and I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, you know, but I love the idea, though, you know, because I do think that, you know, when you actually put... Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Berto, says things things that are in your mind don't become real until you actually write it down and put it on paper. And so uh, when I look, think about a vision board, I think that's the idea of bringing what's in your head to fruition by putting, putting it out so you can actually see it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Friend to the show, Albert Carter, yes, you're talking about him. We he've had, He came on the show and dropped a lot of gems for us as well. Yeah. Talk to me about books that saved your life. Ooh. List me at least three. Uh, one book uh, that I read, I don't even remember a lot of the content of it, but at the time it really resonated with me, and it was called Atomic Habits. Uh, can't even think of the author's name. Uh, Atomic Habits, and it was just talking about habits that we, that we build uh, and whether good or bad. And a lot of times we build habits and we don't even realize that we're actually making it a habit. And so we have to be consciously aware of things that we do repeatedly uh, because those things can stick with you, whether positive or negative. And so being aware of the negative habits that you have uh, is good to be aware of those because you don't want those to become distractions from, from your goals that you may have set for yourself. And a lot of times we, we are so distracted by things that we, we lose sight of the goal and we don't get to our destination quick enough because we're constantly taking detours off the road. Atomic Habits. Y'all check that book out, Atomic Habits. I'll put the link in the description inside so you can see the name of the author but you know you can google these days ladies and gentlemen check out the time it happens any other books you want to speak about oh man let's see here don't forget the good book now you know. <laughs> well yeah of course <laughs> of course the bible you oh, know. yeah but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know now nah, what other two books though um let's see here um oh a book um that my principal made made me read a long time ago. <clears throat> it was called Good to Great. Good Gray? Good Good to Great. Good to Great. Good to Great. And they just talk about how it was really focused on companies uh, that, that went from being just good 
to great. And I think about, you know, uh, some of the things that they were talking about and how we can apply it to our lives. A lot of times we, we, we get good at something and then we become satisfied with just being good. And we don't really push ourselves to our full potential to become great. And so we've got to break ourselves from that habit of just being good when you know you have the ability and the potential to be great. Absolutely. I think I'm guilty of some of those things. Sometimes you get in a comfort zone mm-hmm. when you think you got it. You're not seeking any more advancement. You should always seek advancement. Absolutely. And I, and I learned that throughout my life as well. So talk to me. You got Dr. Mason. Yeah. He sent you on your way. You have the other doctor who pretty much owned the school, <laughs> walked in and, and got you going. And those four years in school and with that four years you sacrificed at Morehouse, and checking yourself out of Arkansas, moving in with your auntie, moving in with your grandma, leaving your mom, coming back to your mom, to become the person you are today in totality, what did you sacrifice? You know, I think I simply sacrificed the old me because if I had not made those moves, I would probably be still stuck in those bad habits or hanging around those bad people that uh, that I was constantly getting in trouble with. And so, in essence, those things weren't the things I was actually sacrificing. I was sacrificing me. And I was sacrificing old habits that could have been very detrimental that would have prevented me from getting to this point. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm happy that you shared that with us because many of us have to pivot and do different things in our environment, knowing to walk away and seeking a different location and putting people around you. You know, the old saying goes, show me your five friends and I'll show you who you are. Absolutely. Show me all your friends and show me who you are. Absolutely. You start to take on, just like in a relationship when you're, when you're dating someone, if you're with them long enough, you start to take on their characteristics. And that doesn't change. Relationships, period, that you have with people, you will eventually, even not on purpose, start to mimic and mock or be in the same actionable situations as the people you hang around with. As much as you want to change it, as much as you say you're different, a part of you is the same because you're actually there. Mm. If you were different, you wouldn't be there. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's dive a little deep. All right, let's go. Talk to me about your lowest moment. And now I just don't want to know about any moment. I want to know about when you were the lowest moment, but I want to know how you got up. This is for the people who are listening right now that have, hey, I can relate to that. What he said just now helped me. I am in that situation. I just came out of that situation. So someone else did go through that or is going through that. Talk to me about your lowest moment, but it's not just what it was. It's how you got up. Hmm. I would say my lowest moment was at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, everything came like a ton of bricks, whirlwind. My world was literally flipped upside down. And a slew of things. Got, con- got con- uh, diagnosed with congestive heart failure. All this within just back to back to back to back. 
lost my job. Got uh, <coughs> health-wise, failed, lost my job, finances gone. While in the hospital, got divorce papers. Uh, that being literally stuck in the country because was unable to handle financial obligation. Now my insurance, medical insurance is gone, but I, I'm in need of serious medical help because of my health condition. So everything is happening all at one time at the same time. In the beginning of the pandemic. At the beginning of the pandemic. And it was like, man, what in the world is going on for all of this to just happen, you know, at one time? And somebody once told me, you know, uh, when you're on the mountaintop, be careful because on the other side of the mountaintop is the valley. So you got to come to, in order to move forward, you got to come off the mountaintop back into the valley in order to get to the next mountaintop. And so things were going very well for a number of years, like really well. I was on the mountaintop, but now it's time to go back in the valley. And so this was my valley experience. Uh, not totally out of it, but what has helped, uh, once again, is how I reacted to it. And that is, you know, God has got me. Keep positive people around you, as you were saying earlier. If you don't have a group of people that are constantly positive and, and, and with love and, and saying everything's going to be all right, praying for you, then you can go down really quickly uh, into deep despair. Because at the end of the day, when they go home, you're by yourself with your own thoughts. Talk to me when you're by yourself with your own thoughts. You spoke about having good people around you and that God got you through it. Dare I ask, what did you do in those moments of despair? What did you do? Like, I know some. I know most of us pray. Mm -hmm. I know most of us cry. But then there's actionable steps that need to be taken to make sure that you, you marching through the valley. What were you doing? Uh, what did you apply? Well, you know, uh, I kept thinking about how there were things that I overcame. I uh, kept thinking about, you know, uh, how that I had small wins along the way. How I will have a surgery and I made it through the surgery. Now, doctors say, doctors said that I wasn't going to make it. But then, boom, I made it. Had another surgery. Doctors say, it's dangerous. I don't know if you can, you probably won't survive on the table, but then boom, you survive. So, so in the process of thinking about everything that's happening to you, you have to see the silver lining in the midst of that, seeing your small wins. And when you focus on combining all the wins, 
then you, you, your, your confidence starts to build that things are going to be all right. And, and so uh, you don't worry as much uh, when, you, when you're by yourself and, and you, with, with your own thoughts. So not only be praying, crying about it, but then like thank, being thankful and grateful that, man, I could have been dead. Absolutely. But I could have been dead. And, but yet, for whatever reason, God has kept me here. And so, why am I concerned? Absolutely. Yeah. Will Smith has a book called Will. And in the beginning of the book, he talks about his dad making him build a wall as a child. But mm -hmm. he had to do it brick by brick. He said it took a little bit over a year to build it. But then the symbolicness of brick by brick, meaning you're not worried about how big and tall or wide the wall is going to be because you're concentrating on the small wins. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. So whenever I feel like something's insurmountable or it's too many pieces scattered everywhere, yeah. I brick by, I just say brick by brick and pick up one brick piece at a time. Yeah, and I, I know like if it. I continue to do it, less will be there and more will be complete. Mm. I want to thank you for sharing that with us today, diving into your spirit. Absolutely. You, sh you took that 10% on, and, and right now you're working at 90 the way you need to go. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Let's, let's shake this little energy off of Chris. Let's All come right. back up. Let's get yeah, a little yeah. happy again. Yeah, let's go. Absolutely. What have you procrastinated on and why? Ooh, <laughs> Man, I, <laughs> I probably procrastinated on a lot of things, like... Like, I think I should be an actor. Uh, I procrastinated on doing plays. I wanted to get back into acting. Because <clears throat> I really think I'm the next Denzel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shoe program, huh? <laughs> 23 hours. <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know. Uh, yeah, I think I procrastinated on that. Uh, I think it's... I think throughout life, I procrastinate on a lot of things. Uh, you know, just starting my own business and getting out of education sooner <laughs> uh, because I knew that wasn't the arena for me. But I, I stayed in it for for a long time, fifteen plus years. Because it was feeding you. Yeah, it was it was comfortable. Yeah. You know, uh, it was a consistent check, if you will. I just recently heard something, and it said some people do things for purpose, and some people do things for desire. Mm. Desire is when you do things for yourself. Yeah. But purpose is when you do things that other people that light you up so you never get tired of doing it. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say that's from Will Smith's last book as well. Hmm that really resonated with me that am I doing this for my own desires or am I doing this for my purpose? And sometimes we sit in a place too long because I desire not to know what it feels like to take a risk. Mm. You wow. don't know what's on the other side of desire because it might not be purpose. It might be just more desire. That's right. How many doors you open, you just keep opening desire and find yourself with nothing. Wow. That's the risk we take, but... Never stop taking the risk, I believe. Never stop taking the risk. I like that. Absolutely. Talk to me about fatherhood. But yeah. I don't want to know just about, oh, my kid is beautiful, sweet. I want to know about the moments where you say, I love you, but I don't like you right now. 
<laughs> Talk about the patience you got to have as a father. Oh, man. Uh, you definitely have to have patience. Uh, but I think my daughter is like the best daughter in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> as you should. As you should. So, you know, we hadn't reached, we hadn't reached the stage yet where is that uh, she's difficult. So pretty much daddy is the best right now. You know, <laughs> the daddy is the fun guy, you know. Uh, every once in a while, you know, I tell her to do something, she may say no. And I'll be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean? <laughs> wow. I, I don't think I've ever heard a child tell their parent just straight up no. That's interesting. Like, it shocked me. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I can't be mad. You had confidence to say it to my face. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's communication. Yeah. And I think that's the best form of it because most people will be like, okay, and then they just don't do it. You got to tell them again. Right. right. And so she has no problem with expressing why she feels a certain way. So I, I just let her talk, you know, and so that, that builds, builds a relationship. Her mom does a fantastic job. That is valiant information. That's valiant communication. Yeah. That's absolutely astounding that she, did, that she was more confident in herself in her years to even speak that way yeah she's only four years old like okay and oh. no and no is powerful yeah no is powerful and many of us need to use that word more often man let me tell you something i'm glad you said that because that has been one of my issues for a long time for years man is saying no i've always been like yes knowing i need to say no like, man, just out here, just spending money, doing, going here, going there, paying for people, you know, trying to take care of my people, you know, keep everybody happy around me. I know I need to say no, but I was a people pleaser. You know, the interesting thing about that is all the people that ask you to say yes, they plotted for you to say yes. Yeah. Because those who really care for you, if they don't want your yes, they yeah. might need it but they don't want it. So people know where they can get stuff from, they come and get it. Absolutely. And if the word gets out, if the word got out that God was giving out miracles, anyone that wrote him a letter and signed it, huh. everybody would show up. Absolutely. But not everybody would show up with the expectation of doing work behind it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you find out, man, that a lot of people that you said yes to when, you, when you're down... They know where to be found. Bars. Bars. <laughs> <laughs> Bars. <laughs> Don DeMarco. <laughs> Did you ever get a sex talk? Who or what gave you sex education? Man, porn. No, wow. <laughs> How old were you, you think? Oh, man. I think I was... Uh, <laughs> Probably uh, early teens, man. It was, it was my mom's tape. What, what was that? Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> we got to clarify mom's tape. Yeah. <laughs> it was his mother's tape that had professional sex on it, not his mom's tape. Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to clarify for everyone yeah, yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah, clarify that, Paul. What was your thoughts when you first came across it, but since you wasn't educated about it? Oh, man, I was like, what in the world is going on? But this is interesting. <laughs> and so, you know. But, you know, a lot of times, when you're coming up in school, man, if you're not educated on this, on these topics, 
at home, the streets will educate you. You're, that's what we don't want, right? That's what you don't want. You want to first hear it in the house so then you know what's going on. But if you hear it from your friends at school, it sounds like the greatest thing in the world. And before you know it, you got caught up with something that you're not supposed to be caught up in. You, you know, know, studies show today that it hurts marriages too because oh. men get exposed to pornography at an early age and they think their wives are supposed to be as vibrant and attentive and... And full of full of glow, yeah. In real life, all the time, yeah. Devoid of emotions, devoid of circumstances, devoid of you know trauma, it's just supposed to be like that. And I think that paints that narrative where you believe <laughs> television more than you believe what's really going on because nobody taught you anything else. That's right. If no one taught you anything else, let me ask you a deep question. Yeah. When do you plan to speak to your daughter about these issues and not let the streets Ooh, tell her man. about it? You know, I was talking to a good friend of mine, John Lewis, and he was talking about the same thing he, he's had the conversation with. Shouts out to John Lewis, also a friend of the show who yeah. came on recently. Yeah. He uh, was talking to him, and he talked about how he had to talk with his kid about it. And, uh, of course, they, they're in middle school and high school now. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think I, I would find it easier to talk to my kid if, if I had a son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to my daughter, I don't think I ever want to tell her anything. And, that's, I, and I know I should. Yeah, man, listen, listen, let's be honest, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. We know the tactics that men use to approach a woman, right. to galvanize, to, to be with. Yeah. You got a warner for that. You I, I you got have, the inside I information. I do have the inside information. So, but I just don't know when the best time is. Maybe I'm, I'm gonna have to seek advice on that one. Uh, you just gotta rip the bandaid off, man. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at what age do you rip I, the bandaid I, off? I think you should, and I think this is a woman, a woman question, right? We should lean onto the women in our lives yeah. and ask them what did they have one? What would they have liked to have heard, and when? And and I would speak to women of all ages, even ones that are newly to the generation, because they have more of a pulse of what is being spoken faster in these public environments. Right. Friend to the show, Jamar White, said he had several talks with his kids about, he said, it's a matriculation process. You have to talk to them at this age, that age, this age, and that age to make sure as they get older, they understand the deeper they go in this situation what emotional ties and trauma that brings about it yeah. or the fun that it is or the multiplicity that could be. It's a lot of great things and, and bad things that happen according yeah. to how you serve your morality. Yeah. Mm. And according to the world that we live in today, what society is being told we should accept versus what everyone, we live in a, a society where minority rules the majority Ooh. where just a few people can be angry about something and the rest of the, the population could not care, but then there are laws and mandates to make to force the publication the publication of the mass to say, you know, we got to take this seriously because two people feel this way. Mm. I don't I don't think throughout history we ever lived like that. No, it was always a mass, and if you was an individual, you have to make your individual stance in your own world. Correct. I don't know which one to agree with at this point. Mm. What do you feel about it, man? You know. Oof. I'm I'm totally not a fan of the minority 
uh, controlling the majority, but in in a lot of in some cases, the minority is correct, and so you don't want to silence the minority. Absolutely, Absolutely. Uh, because a lot of times the crowd is doing crowd stuff. You know, they just doing whatever, and you know the minority is like, hey, stop, side, don't let's not do that. And hey, you know, not to cut you up, and yeah. sometimes we understand the minority is the representation. But you know the whole. Some, most of us know the whole story where we know there's another side that exists that is not spoken about. Yeah. And the lack of a better term I can get is our, our some of our reputation in media hmm. for people of all colors and races. Right. You know we have what whatever your representation is that is quote unquote maybe the ignorant side or the radical ratchet side. And most of our cases we're represented that way. And then when you meet the other side, there's much more of us in mass mm. than it is the representation that we are celebrating under under controlled visual aspects. Absolutely. Yeah. Speak to me now. I have a question I like to answer. Okay. It's a little bit intrusive. It's a two-part question. Right. You don't have to answer if you want, but drop a gem at least. All right. Are you ready for the question? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. I'm going to ask you one part and then the second part after. All right. What was abusive to you that you thought was love? Mm. What was abusive to me that I thought was love? Absolutely. From your own perspective. Wow, that's, that's weird. That's a weird question. I know it was abusive, but I thought it was love. Hmm. At first, you thought it was love. Then in your growth, you found out this was very abusive. This was wrong, even if you enjoyed it. Hmm. Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one there. I must say, I'm going to have to drop a gem because... Uh, I had to really contemplate on that one right there. Uh, what I thought was love, but was actually abusive. And the thing about it is, you can always think about it. We can always come back if it pops up in your head. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me, let me come back to that one. What's the part two? How did you recognize it? <laughs> okay. All when right. did you? Ex <laughs> when did you accept it? Those are the things that that I want you to think about as we move forward. I'll come back to the question okay. if you have an opportunity. All right, yeah. Should there be a basic program amongst men, a level of education given out, skill traits given in our communities? I'm talking about financial leadership, financial literacy, communication, how to change a tire, gardening, how to change a tie, general wealth building, stocks, insurance, speaking to the elderly with intent. Do you know how many people get married and never speak to another person who's married? Mm. Or how many husbands or fathers never speak to other husbands and fathers about their experiences in detail. We don't share this information, community building. Mm -hmm. This is outside of the church, outside of the school, outside of any organization. We're in our communities. You're my next door neighbor and you teach math. Mm -hmm. And I teach communications and we send our kids back and forth. They're not on video games, they're not playing. We're preparing them to be the best they can be. Yeah. Do you ever think we can put something like that together where we have an entire neighborhood 
working, making things exciting for education? I think I think we can. I think it, it has been done in the past. Um, you know, schools even started out as vocational schools. You know, uh, whereas that they would teach those type things, finances, or plumbing, and cosmetology. They would teach these things in high school, and then you had African Americans graduating from high school going to get a $90,000 job as a plumber, you know? And uh, so the powers that be said, whoa, 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 <laughs> you know, we got to cut this out. You know, we're empowering uh, the wrong group of folk. And so uh, Black Panthers uh, had their programs in the community. Uh, we look at things like Black Wall Street, uh, that they built communities built a community that was really servicing the people. And, and we all know the end result of that. But uh, I think what has happened is we look at the demise of, of things that we did in the past, and we have become afraid of recreating it. Absolutely, because the last substance that we can look at is probably the Harlem Renaissance, correct? Correct. And, and we should not be afraid of that 10%, as you talked about. Yeah. Life is about 10%. What happens to you, 90% is about what Correct. you do about it. And we sit here today unorganized, dismantled, yeah. with fear. We don't, we don't trust each other enough to even build a community. But we don't have, I don't think we have the knowledge to trust each other enough. Hmm. Because we show up unknowledgeable. You can't trust somebody who has no experience and no knowledge mm -hmm. if we're all winging it. Yeah. At some point, we're all winging it in our communities where we're not looking at yesterday's map. Mm -hmm. We're just thinking that our story is, no, is original. I'm from this, and I came from this place, or I came from this mid-lifestyle, or I came from a rich lifestyle. You don't understand me. But yeah. there, we have, this planet has been here, and these people have been here. And these apples and trees don't fall too far from these roots. <laughs> There's someone we can consult with to keep it going. That's how I believe some of the wealthiest people in the world continue their nepotism. They continue mm -hmm. the same character traits. They continue the same things. Like you spoke about Dr. Mason, everywhere he went, he was the same character trait. Yeah. Because he knew that warranted respectful results. He figured out what the formula was. Mm -hmm. Imagine if we all had a formula that we can dictate the results that we're getting. Yeah. You know, but, I, 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 I agree with that, uh, that we have the formula, but that's, that's my point. I think that even though those communities uh, didn't survive, uh, I think they left the blueprint. We, we have enough information to recreate what they did, uh, but we... We, we, we sold off all of the land. So let's stay here for a second. Yeah. Do we have the tools? Because let me, let me dig into this. We have a formula, but that's one that's been appointed to us, yeah. which causes all of our situations we have now, which causes our dis-ease as mm -hmm. a society. Mm -hmm. But do we have the tools? Yesteryear, we had our own jobs. We had our own funding of our own political standpoints because we had communities that can fund our leaders. Mm -hmm. We actually had people who respected the fact that someone is a leader. 
that mm-hmm. we all looked at and said, that's the person that's going to talk for us. Right. Now, everybody wants to talk. If everyone wants to talk, then who, can, who is listening? That's correct. And, and how do we develop that? We have Minister Farrakhan, who is very late in his years. Mm-hmm. Is he the last person to ever the culminated audience of listeners outside of their branch of religion? Think mm-hmm. about this. How many people are actually left that show the fortitude of a leader when people speak? They can actually start a conversation in the mind of many, either change, cooperate, or grow. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Because actually, at one point, uh, I thought I could be that. It's something I procrastinated on. Hmm. Uh, I definitely procrastinated on it and didn't put myself out there enough to, to talk. But when I'm in front of people, I'm very comfortable with uh, talking about almost anything. And so, you know, you do have a point about basically we have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, that, that does make things difficult. Um, another issue is that we like to advertise the movement before we even do any moving. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's dead before you even start it. And so, um, you know, oh, we're about to do this. We're about to do this. We're about to do this. Okay, well, they're going to they, you give them time to devise a plan to stop it all together. And so uh, we definitely, I think, when we look at African-Americans especially, they definitely have the tools to do whatever. A study came out uh, some years ago that... African-Americans had a spending power of $1.2 trillion. It could be much higher than that now. We spent more during the pandemic. We, we came in as superheroes. Yeah. That makes us the 10th richest nation in the world. I want to add to this. Yeah. <laughs> with, with the tools that I said we need, I think the biggest tool is that we lack knowledge. And let me break it down when I say by knowledge. Mm-hmm. If a group of people went and bought a board game, they got the board game and they just ripped the game open and started to play the game the way they saw was co- the way they saw it was comfortable. At what point did they read the instructions or the rules to know which ones they can bend in their favor? <laughs> we walk in a society, people walk in a society around the world, living in a place where you don't know your laws or rules or new information to hear about new laws and rules to see what violations you may be walking in. I bet you people don't even know there is a law right now that just passed in New York saying you can't say, hey, you guys over there. It's discriminative talk now because wow. you, have to, you, you have to acknowledge, I believe uh, you have to acknowledge the genders. Huh. You can't say, hey, you guys. It's offensive. You can be arrested. Now, most people would say, well, nobody's going to get arrested for that. A cop's not going to do his job on that. They're just going to have it on the law books. That's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Because it shouldn't be on the law books if you feel that they're not going to do the job. Correct. If you feel that you don't have the fortitude to fight something, then we can't play the game. Mm. How do we play a game we don't know the rules? 
We can't go through life just filling it out. Absolutely. Because yeah. you don't get a hundred lives. <laughs> that's, that's a fact. That's a fact. You don't get to hit continue button. Right. You don't get to log off and come back to where you started. Right. That's very true. And so the question is then, do we have somebody among us that knows the rule? I believe we, over the years, we've had a couple. Uh-huh. But I will say this. Everyone that comes inside certain communities and becomes a person of influence, they seem to meet the creator a little bit earlier than expected. <laughs> it's like they do a certain job of sparking the minds of millions and then they go. That's correct. How much the world would change if they lived out a full average life in that way? We don't get to see that equation take its place. And that's why we probably don't have a lot of people willing to step up. Because they're yeah. not willing to die for it. Well, it's more dangerous being a rapper these days. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. What was yesterday's failure that gave you today's lessons? Mm. Mm. Well, this show come with uh, some hard questions. I <laughs> Man, this ain't your regular SAT questions. I <laughs> oh man, yesterday's failure. That what, say that again. <laughs> what was yesterday's failure that gave you today's lessons? Ooh, man, I think just. Um, just going through life, period, and just kind of when 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 you go through life and you just don't necessarily have direction, uh, you 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 make all kinds of mistakes, uh, mistakes in finances, mistakes in relationships, uh, mistakes career-wise, you know, and I think that all of those failures became learning opportunities um, to make a better person today than yesterday. And so not saying that the mistakes won't continue to happen, they will, but you, you continue to use them as opportunities to learn and, and move forward. Those mistakes that you spoke about, that's what I talked about the community because we shouldn't be still getting into financial trouble in this day and age. We still shouldn't be getting too much in trouble with the law. We still shouldn't be arguing with police officers when we get pulled over. We should just wait for our day in court. Yeah. But it's not enough voices out there to permeate, to give us that basic level of communication. That's mm -hmm. what we do here, Solutions. Anyone listening, the whole point of these same questions or continuous flow is to grow the perspective of all of us so we can share a common theme on how to react and re-identify what we can do as a community to speak as one voice even if we're not in the same room with each other hmm. and i think that's the po most positive thing i got out of what you just said today yeah i want to poll you real quick okay you spoke things about you know relationships you receiving your divorce papers while you were laying in the hospital but i want to know the top three things you want in a woman now it could be anything you want but I always looking for a man to say something in particular that I think every woman 
should have for a man. But it is entirely up to you. There's no wrong answer. It doesn't have to be in your top three, but I want to see if you do put it in your top three. Oh, man. I'll look for a woman. Oof. <laughs> top three things. You know, um, I think there's no wrong answer. It's all about yeah, what's best yeah. for you. As a man that, that goes out into the world and deal with so much, you know, issues with the job, maybe issues with police, he wants a, a home environment that is different from the world. Uh, one that is, that is very peaceful. So if he has to go and, and fight his boss, fight with the police, this fight with everybody in the, in the world and then come home and have to fight his wife, that makes for a very stressful environment. And so, um, I don't know what you call that. You know, a lot of people like to describe it as be his peace, you know. Um, and that's the first thing you want, a woman that's peaceful? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Peaceful, you know. And, 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 I, and I think it is my job as a man to help create that as well. Uh, my response to her when she is upset also can, uh, you know, either escalate the situation or de-escalate it. So uh, I have to be mindful of that too. Um, I do... Maybe this is superficial. It's about what's best for you, man. <laughs> Just at, I would tell you to give the answer that's best for you. There's no judgment. Um, definitely like a woman that's a keeper of the house. You know? Uh actually knows how to cook something other than boiled hot dogs is important because that saves us money. <laughs> saves you money. Saves money. Uh, keeps us from having to order out a lot. And I, 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 and I think, you know, a lot of people look at that, you know, oh, that's old tradition, archaic, you know. But when you buy groceries and you cook at home, that is a financial saver. Uh, for the household, and so you, if you eat out every day, twice a day, three times a day, you add that up at the end of the month, man. Add those calories up too. Yeah, you get fat too. And it's like releasing your oxytocin when you cook together, yeah. do things together. Yeah, that also creates a nice environment in the house. Yeah, more uh, peace. What is number three, sir? Number three. Uh, sex more than once uh, every six months. <laughs> <laughs> Not every six months. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is, man. 
Like, it seemed like a woman's sex drive drops when they get married. <laughs> it's like, I got him now. <clears throat> well, Chris Rock said on his show that men are the only species that's love under conditions. Mm. Even dogs are loved unconditionally. That's real. But men are loved under certain conditions. Mm. And when those conditions don't, I believe, water the flower, it makes it hard for the connection to happen between the roots and the vines. <laughs> right on. But it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. I feel when someone is into you, they're into you. When someone really likes and loves you, yeah. you could be in a cardboard box in the street, but home is being together. Yeah. And I think people have changed that process where home is not the mansion. Home is not. It's nice to have the mansion. Yeah. It's nice. Home is not none of that. Home is when wherever we are together. Yeah. And if you can't have that, then how can you enjoy the mountaintop together Mm-hmm. If you can't enjoy the valley together. Right. Speaking How can on. you enjoy a sunset together if you worried about sun, <laughs> the, yeah. the sunset laying on a tan beach looking, feeling like the, the environment? Yeah, yeah. You can't yeah. enjoy it together if you're always enjoying other things. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. You know, one thing, you know, that, that's always, I've always found as an issue is that of man learning how to split his time. Mm. Because a woman wants a man at home, but she also wants him to be a provider. And it's almost impossible for him to be at home all the time and go out and work and bring in all the money that she requires. Uh, for a relationship. And women, women will say a lot of times, you know, oh, it's not about the money, blah, blah, blah. Lies. <laughs> <laughs> Lies. If the money disappears, the relationship is done. Under, you're loved under conditions as a man. Correct. Yes. I agree with that, Chris Rock. Yeah. I agree so, with that. So, th- you know, so man has to figure out how to balance that, you know, how to go be successful in the world, whereas that she's happy with the provision but at the same time, she's also happy with the protection because he's at home. Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate you giving those three, man. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. As a husband, would you rather have a great woman or a great wife? There's no wrong answer, but I would like you to pick one and explain why. Uh, I say a great woman. Um... Because if she's a great woman, then that characteristic is not going to change when she becomes a wife. At least in my opinion. At least I hope that's, you know, the case. That's the, that's the dubiousness of that question. Yeah, I know. Because being a wife, you can learn to be a good wife. There are there are things that you know, that because you you you're not born knowing how to be a wife, but you are born a woman, and so your upbringing 
and everything shapes who you are to be a good woman. Being a good wife, if she's a good woman, then she can transfer what she's learned to be, how she's learned to be a good woman over to learning how to be a good wife. Um, if she's not a good woman, then that's a character issue. And when she becomes a wife, then she can be a good wife, possibly, because she does her, I guess, wifely duties. But if she is a bad woman, then I think that affects her ability to be a good wife. Absolutely. Thank you for your answer, sir. I, like I said, it, it's all up to you. Yeah. If they were giving out awards, would you rather have father of the year or man of the year? Explain why. Uh, I would say man of the year. Because a man is going to be, you can't be a good father without being a good man, period. And I guess it's, it's similar to the question with the wife as well. Uh, that man of the year means that he is man of the year in every facet. You can't be man of the year and a bad father. <laughs> you know? Can I think, you? Though? I think that would be. Can I think you that, be the man of the year to everybody at an award but be a bad father? So can you be a man of the year and a bad father? If they were giving out awards, man of the year or father of the year, two different categories. Mm -hmm. The categories wouldn't differ if it all fell underneath the same tree. No, but see, father is simply a title you receive once you have a child. Man is who you are at birth. And, and so if you are a good man, that's a difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you breaking it down in your head. Yeah, yeah. I keep dissecting it. Yes, because they make you a daddy, but that doesn't make you a father. Correct. And which is weird why, you know, why we, uh, how in our society we've separated those two, a daddy and a father, you know. I think we've downgraded daddy to be just a man with a child and then elevated father, you know. But in actuality, I think they're both overweight and should be, should be on the same playing field. But again, our society has, you know, that's just my baby daddy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we have we all downgraded. We all have indulged in such great things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the culture is the culture. You can laugh mm -hmm. at some of it because if it's true, then there's always some great laughter and truth. But right. we also need to know what we need to repair or work on or right. understand that some people are just going to stay the way they are as an essence. Mm -hmm. And we could also build and just be an, ad, an annex yeah, to yeah. when everybody wants to come on over to see what's going on in both houses. Yeah. And if daddy is different, 
uh, or, or lower level, then maybe I need to change who my who my child what my child calls me. Because <laughs> right now she said daddy. Right. <laughs> see how di- you see how difficult that is. Yeah. 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 Instead of father. So you chose man of the year. Yeah. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. I came up with something called operating at 100%. And what I mean by that is I took five categories. Purpose, health, confidence, knowledge, and money. Again, that's purpose, health, confidence, knowledge, and money. I took each one of them and gave them 20% each, totaling up to 100%. It's a daily thing, could turn into a monthly thing, and turn into a yearly thing of developing your life and the path you need to have, to have a plan. So 20% for purpose, 20% for health, 20% for confidence, 20% for money, and 20% for knowledge. Mr. Thornton, I ask you today, within the last 24 hours, how much of 100% have you been operating out of, regardless of your situation that you're currently in? Mm. Purpose mm-hmm. is twenty percent. How much of that do you think you've been operating out of? In the last twenty-four hours? Yes, sir. I'm probably gonna say zero. What about health? Health. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take all twenty of that because I'm in the hospital. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing better. We are in the hospital, ladies and gentlemen, doing this interview. Like he said, 10% about life, what happens to you, 90% is how you respond. Mm-hmm. And he's a strong man having a strong interview today. Yeah. Confidence. That means you operate without any fear or insecurities. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say 20% on that. Money. It means you lost a little money, gained a little money, or invested a little money today. Oh, I gained a little money, so... Uh, a little bit. Uh, so I would say I'll give myself 15%. 15%. And knowledge. It means you took in some new information. Ooh. Well, I, I'm going to go with 20% after this interview. <laughs> 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 but prior to that, uh, I'm going to say zero. i just been watching YouTube videos. <laughs> so, sir, you're operating at 75%. Hmm. I will encourage you to try to operate 95% or above to get to your destination, to get to your purpose, to get to the place that you know. You write this down and say, hey, I did all the necessary requirements to fill my day. We plan for everything else. Why not plan our success and our livelihood and our meals and our knowledge and our intake? And and really, once you have this plan, you know what's not for you. And Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. You know when to say no. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, sir. You are now part of the Silhouette Boys Club. It is people like you who move in the shadows help people like me shine. Now, before you go, we love to get referrals for the show. Is there any man you would love to come on this show to drop these gems and answer these questions? Ooh. Let's see here. Just give me one name. Or you can give me several if you like. Yeah, there's one guy I would love to come on the show. Uh. Steven Richardson, a.k.a. Big Tat. Steven, yeah. a.k.a. Big Tat. Big Tat, if you're listening, we got to get this interview done as soon as possible. I would love to interview, man. We'll reach out to him. You get me in touch with him? Yeah, I can get in touch with him. 
Absolutely. Before we go, would you like to give any shout-outs, any information to family members, or we can follow you or support you, pray for you, anything you like to get say to the people? Oh, man, just shout-out to my whole family back home, man. Uh, definitely pray for my grandfather. He's in ICU right now, uh, having some issues. Uh, so, yeah, keep him in your prayers. Uh, David Young, senior. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, just... Let, let everybody know that I'm doing really well. One more surgery to go, and Lord's will, I'm out this hospital. Boom. <laughs> Back on my feet again. So uh, Back at it again. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate all the prayers and everybody that's been thinking about me. And, uh, yeah, one love. One last side question. <laughs> Audible question. Yeah. Do you plan on pursuing ministry? Uh, yeah, I think I will. Uh, when I get home, um, they actually already expected me to do so when I get back home. Uh, so uh, that's what I was doing before I left. Uh, so started it out here for a little while. Things got a little hectic. Had to stop. But, uh, yeah, that is the plan when I get back. Absolutely, man. Thank you, man. We appreciate that. For those listening, you can reach me at info at shame1.com. That's I-N-F-O at S-H-E-E-M-O-N-E to more info to be a guest on the show. Let us know. You can hit me up at Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter under Sheem1. Let's have a conversation. Let's continue to grow. Before we go, we love to give a quote from Dr. Miles Monroe. True success is not measured by how much you have done or accomplished. It's not compared to what others have done or accomplished. True success is what you have done compared to what you could have done. In other words, living to the maximum is competing with yourself. It's living to your own true standards and capabilities. Success is satisfying your own personal passion and purpose to pursue the personal excellence. Question of the day. Question of your life. Are you maximizing your life? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Solution for Men. Mr. David Thornton, I thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Peace and blessings. Cause I'm out the ordinary, 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 out the ordinary.